Hello and welcome to episode 127 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Joe and with me in Melbourne, as always, is Mitch. G'day. And we are now officially past the halfway mark of the A to Z. So you say, I don't know if I trust your maths with this alphabetic thing. Well, there's 26 letters of the alphabet. We're up to letter 14. Okay. So 14 is more than half of 26. Ah, if you say so. Ergo, we are past the halfway mark. Fine. So we're up to the letter N. There's probably a lot of things that we could have talked about for the letter N. Not that I can think of any of them off the top of my head, but one of the things we've tossed around a lot since we started doing this podcast is the movie that we're going to talk about tonight, and that's the 2001 parody film, Not Another Teen Movie. When we first started doing the podcast, this was something that came up a lot just in our conversations that I always wanted to do for the podcast, and we're finally getting around to it. I don't know if a 2001 movie really holds up today, but I think we'll probably talk about that a little bit more. But what this was, was a parody of the sort of teen romance comedies of the day. Yes. Now, now, now this is a parody film. But yes. The, the famous parody film. Now, I grew up watching parody films. Like, you know, probably the most famous ones I would have grown up was, was Flying High and probably Spaceballs were probably the two big ones. Yes. Now, what did you used to call them back in the 80s when you were going to watch them? I can remember them being called spoof movies. Yeah, I called them spoof movies too. (laughs) And what else did you call spoof or spoof? Probably more the correct (laughs) pronunciation back then. Yes, it was another word for Jews. Yeah, exactly. That's like, they're not spoof movies anymore. Well, where it's weird because there are other types of movies that you call spoof movies and the triple X porn parodies, which is kind of weird because it goes full circle. The parody film becomes a spoof movie and the spoof movie becomes a parody film. Anyway. It's funny though because I, I was probably going to talk about this later, but we might as well talk about it now. But back in the day, parody films were more popular than I guess they are now. Like you don't really see parody films now, but there was probably a time sort of 70s, 80s, even up to the 90s, where you got a lot more parody films. Like, obviously, you mentioned Flying High or Airplane, as they call it, yep. in other places other than here in Australia. And then you had Mel Brooks. So I probably remember Blazing Saddles quite fondly. I know he would have done things earlier, like um, High Anxiety, which was a Hitchcock parody film, um, which I've never seen. But yeah, I just sort of grew up on but those movies. Mel Brooks obviously did Men in Tights as well, which is just a complete parody of the whole Robin Hood story. Yeah, so, so Mel Brooks was like the the spoof king in my head for a while. And we got those movies. Then we got the Naked Gun film. So the Zucker brothers were the other yeah. guys. Yeah, because there was obviously Hot Shots and Loaded Weapon and that sort of stuff as well. Yep. And so they were, the, they were sort of it for a while. And then it was the, what, mid to late 90s, we got the scary movie franchise. We sort of brought them all back again. Yeah. And with diminishing returns from what I can gather. I mean, I remember at the time. Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, the, the spoof movies work, I'm going to keep saying spoof because it's funny, just seem to work best with a genre as opposed to one film because that that was a problem with the yeah. scary movies because they were taking the piss out of Scream mostly, mostly. Yeah. But with the horror genre, there was so much history to play with and tropes, so it works because that's the thing with the Western work. Blazing Saddles, it was a Western. It was, you know, beautiful. And yeah, so they made multiple scary movies films, but they were sort of very specific. And towards this, uh, I think even from the second onwards, it was so specific to certain films that it wasn't even funny. It was just recreation. No, exactly. 
yeah, so there is a knack to making good ones of these films. Like those those guys that made the later scary movies, I think they made epic movie and yep. things like that. And they were big budget with some fairly, you know, not huge names, but big enough names in them. But they were just terrible. And there was like superheroes and there was like, I think, Superman Returns around that era and 300 and those yep. sort of things. And it was just really, really bad. But what... And they did the Fast and the Furious one that we've talked about ages ago. Super fast. That one. And apparently that's a $20 million movie. It looked like it was made by fucking Troma. (laughs) But it was was terrible. But, you know, we laughed because it was, you know, we loved the Fast and Furious franchise. But anyway, so not only were there these guys making the movies, there was also the not another sort of group. There was not a date movie or something like that, not another date movie, which is pretty ordinary. But the one we're talking about tonight, not another teen movie, which is essentially a love letter to John Hughes yep. and all those high school romantic comedies or just high school films or whatever. Now, yes, yep. I know, I admit I'm a man nearly in my 50s and this movie is nearly, it is 20 years old, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I still find it fresh, and the movies it's talking about are still new to me, goddammit. The Breakfast Club was only yesterday. I'm not that old, okay? Just just, yeah. just putting that out there, I'm not that old. Okay. Well, okay look, looking back at the fact that this was made in 2001, you can kind of see that some of it doesn't hold up to 2021 standards, but then a lot of the movies that it is spoofing don't actually hold up to 2021 standards either. So, yeah, we'll kind of go with that but it it very much is a love letter to john hughes in the fact that it is set in john hughes high school which i think is really cool and again all right so this is targeting specific films as opposed to genre and tropes but it fits in a very generic plot of of movies like there are so many of these teen high school romance films yeah so the late 80s early 90s it was just full of them wasn't it yeah so i mean the basic plot of this is you've got the popular jock who is dead or put on a bet to take the unkempt girl and turn her into the prom queen yeah and they actually fall in love but you know in all these things they will fall out of love and come back in again. That's the plot. And that is the plot of most films or a lot of films from that time. And so it's pretty simple to tie it into this, but yeah, it pulls up a lot. So we'll go through the cast. Like I said, you got the jock. The jock is played by Captain America himself, Chris Evans. So would he have already been the human torch in the Fantastic Four movie by this stage? I don't think so. Or was that after that? I think it was uh, Yeah, after this, definitely after this. So I don't know if he would have been a name back in 2001 when this came out. I don't think so. I don't think he'd get around in wearing a whipped cream on his nipples and a banana up his ass. I don't think so. Probably not. He definitely has comic chops, that's for sure. He's very funny. So he plays Jack Wyler, who his stereotype is the popular jock. And he is sort of based on, this is according to the wiki, he's based on Zach Seiler, Freddie Prince Jr. from She's All That, which is, gets referenced a lot in this as a movie that yep. references a lot, which I've never seen, so I can't comment. No, neither have I, actually. So, yeah, the whole idea of the the bet about turning the you know ugly duckling into the prom queen, I think, comes from She's All That. Well, yeah, but I think it's a it comes out of um, a bit of Pretty in Pink as well. But, uh, yeah. Oh, well, it is a bit of a trope as well but yeah and also jonathan moxon which is a character played by james vanderbeek in fast city blue yes so here's that the main girl in this is 
Tyler Lee, that's the actress, who I know her as Supergirl's sister from the Supergirl TV show. She plays Janie Briggs. She's the pretty ugly girl, is the stereotype. She's pretty much Rachel Lee Cook's character of Lainey Bloggs which um, Lenny Boggs from She's All That or Katrina Stanford, which was Julia Stiles' character from 10 Things That I Hate About You or Molly Ringwald's character Andy Walsh in Pretty in Pink. Yeah. See, I I only know her as being the younger sister in... Grey's Anatomy, so that's the only other thing I've seen her in. But, ah, yeah. okay. Yep, so then we've got the other characters here. We have Jamie Priestley playing Priscilla. She's the nasty cheerleader, and she's sort of a take on the character by Taylor Vaughan from She's All That, or Kirsten Dunst characters from Bring It On, or Angela Hayes' Mina Savari characters from American Beauty. Eric Christian Olsen plays Austin. He's the cocky blonde guy. And he's sort of a piss take on Paul Walker's character from She's All That, speaking of Fast and the Furious, or Steph McKee's James Spader's character from Pretty and Pink. Yeah, so he's kind of like the, the rich kid that thinks he's better than everyone else. Yes. And he's actually the one that sets the bet with Chris Evans's character. Mm-hmm. Now, Mia Kirshner, she plays Catherine Weiler. She's the cruel girl. And she's sort of the Sarah Michelle Gellar character from Cruel Intentions or Anna Paquin's character from She's All That. I think we need yeah. to watch She's All That. I think <laughs> it's we going to be one hell of a cast. Yes. We know how it's going to end, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's uh, Dean Richmond plays Malik Token. And he is the token black guy. And he's um, a homage to Julie Hill's character from She's All That. Now, now I know that Julie Hill is in She's All That. We're definitely watching it because Julie Hill plays the sidekick Gus in Psych. And I absolutely adore him. So that's on the list. We're going to watch it. We've got to watch She's All That. Then we have Eric Youngman. He plays Ricky Lipman. And he's the obsessed best friend. And he is definitely a homage to John Cryer's character Ducky in Pretty in Pink. Yes. He's probably the most like character as far as the parodies go. He is almost identical to the Ducky yep, character. The way he dresses, the way he acts, yeah. Yeah. And even at one stage, when he first comes to talk to Janie Briggs when they're standing at their lockers, there's a little bit of, I think it's If You Leave by Psychedelic Furs that sort of pops up in the background as a homage to Pretty in Pink as well. Yes. So there's Reggie Ray, which is the stupid fat guy. He is based on Billy Bob's character from Varsity Blues. Then we have Cody McManus, who plays Mitch Briggs. He's the desperate virgin. Another trope, like Kevin Myers from American Pie, Preston Myers from Can't Hardly Wait. That's two Myers. Weird. Spelled Mm. differently. Simon Briggs from She's All That and John Bender from The Breakfast Club. So, yeah, she's a multitude of characters there. Then we have Ox, which is the sensitive guy, which is a very spot-on impersonation taking the piss out of Chris Klein from American Pie. Then we have Sam Levine playing Bruce, the the wannabe. He is pretty much Daniel LaRusso from The Karate Kid. I don't know about that. See, no, anyway, I, I don't think that either. Jim Levinson from American Pie and Kenny Fisher, Seth Green from Can't Hardly Wait. So I think he's more specifically a Can't Hardly Wait character. I think to so honest. too. Then we have Lacey Chabert. Oh, swing. She plays Amanda Becker. She's the perfect girl. And she is taking the piss out of Amanda Beckett, which is Jennifer Love Hewitt from Can't Hardly Wait. Which is, ironically, they're both from... Party of Five. Party of Five. Okay. And they're playing pretty much the identical role. Doesn't really talk much. She's just the... The girl that comes along and people are enamored with her and well, stuff. Well, the perfect yeah. girl, yes. Then yes. we have Serena Vincent. She plays Ariola 
and she's the foreign exchange student, and she just walks around the whole movie naked in a homage to Nadia Shannon Elizabeth from American Pie. Then we have Riley Smith, he plays Les, who's the beautiful weirdo. He's homaging Ricky Fitz from American Beauty. So I'd never seen American Beauty, so this character, I didn't know that they were such a takeoff of the character from American Beauty. He's not really a Harry. So in the in the main plot of the story, you got the jock who's going out with the cheerleader and they split up because yep. she's moved on and she's met this beautiful weirdo. And it's like, oh, he's filming me and he's videotaping her like the character in. So what happens? This guy in American Beauty, he he found a wind was blowing this plastic bag around in almost a whirlpool, like a little whirlpool. And he was like just fi- filming it. Yeah. And basically, what are you filming? And he goes, oh, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Just this plastic bag waving around in the wind. That's it. That, that's the moment. But the plastic bag becomes more of a character in this film than it ever did in American Beauty. Then we have all right, Ed Lautner, who we know as the dad from Girls Just Want to Have Fun, one of our faves. He plays the coach, and he's pretty much the generic angry coach. Uh, but he's more specifically Bud from Varsity Blues. Randy yep. Quaid, everyone's favourite tax evader and man <laughs> on the run in Canada. He plays Janie's dad, and he's pretty much the Kevin Pollack character from She's All That or Harry Dean Stanton's character from Pretty in Pink with a lot more post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes, definitely. There's Sandy Sue, which I assume you love her. She's one of your favourite characters because for some reason... Because she's got Tourette's. Tourette's, yes. <laughs> So she's like Sandra D from Greece, but with Tourette's. So it's not really a yeah. parody of anyone. It's just like it's just a, it's a parody of Tourette's, it. really. Yes, yes. And we have an older actress, uh, Beverly Poison Polson, and she is homaging Drew Barrymore from Never Been Kissed. So she's meant to be an undercover reporter infiltrating school for a story, and she's about seventy years old. Exactly. Yeah. That's the joke. Literally, that is it. Rob Benedict, he's Preston Wasserstein, and he's pretty much Ferris Bueller. But he's also a bit of um, risky business as well, I would have thought. Yeah. Cool. So right. that's the main cast and the stereotypical characters that are in this movie. So there is an awful lot based on She's All That. So you're right. We probably do need to watch that so this movie would make a lot more sense. It, it makes perfect sense without seeing that. It'll probably ruin She's All That for us because we've seen Probably. It. But yeah, so so we can talk about all the movies that are there. So you got the main character is Janie. She's the girl. And yep. she's wearing overalls. She's an artist. She's a feminist. She doesn't want to play into all the high school rules and getting into dating or being in the prom or anything like that. And the jock has been tasked or bet to turn her into the prom queen. So he's trying to work that out and trying to get her there. And it's like, oh. But they go through the tropes of like, oh, can you, um, you know, who do I choose? I'll, I'll choose the worst girl here to turn into the prom queen, and I bet you can't do it. It's like, what about her? It's like, oh, the conjoined twins? No, two likable people. <laughs> Definitely not going to happen. What about the one with the hunch? It's like, yeah, nah, it's not. Nah, too easy, too easy. You can do that. What about her? It's like, oh, no. The albino. She's got a ponytail. Oh, yeah, the albino. Um, yeah. But then in the end, it's like, they point out Janie. It's like, oh, no, she's got a ponytail and overalls yeah. with paint on it. No, she's just hideous. How could you dare? Yeah, so they basically, he does in the end try and woo her and all it's a very fast paced movie so you've got that plot going along where they do they eventually do fall in love she finds out about the bet and they break up and he gets her back at the end 
that 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 plot happens. Then, because of his football stuff, you've got a lot of football trope movies going on as well. So he's the quarterback. He's lost his mojo because he's been bent for one because they pretty much piss take Rudy, which is the Sean Astin movie back in the day about sort of the water boy gets his chance to play the game. But in this, it's rather visceral and he dies because of his actions in that. So you've got that sort of movie. Plus, you've got the Varsity Blues thing where you've got the, the fat guy who's you know, five more concussions yeah. and yeah, you're going to be a couple of concussions away from being a vegetable. And just the way they, they work that out, it's like he's talking about how he can't get any more concussions and then someone hits him in the head with a locker door and mm. like he bends over and then someone else like hits him in the head again. And it's like, you know, yeah, they really play on that. Yeah, so that, that so you got the football storyline with all the football tropes going on. Then you've got the younger brother of Janie who's with his two other mates and they're pretty much, from what I can gather, Seth Green from Can't Hardly Wait and American Pie where it's like, we're going to make a pact. We're going to lose our virginity by the end of the year. It's like, we make that pact every year (laughs) and it never works. And, yeah, so all that sort of stuff plays out. And one of the characters, which you talked about, Little Wolverine himself, Sam Levine, he's the wannabe, according to Wikipedia, where he is dressing in Asian attire and speaks with an Asian accent. And I don't get it. Like, I don't know where it comes from. No, like I'm not too sure myself because, again, they they make reference to the fact that that is the Karate Kid, but really he's not pretending to be Asian in the Karate Kid. He's appropriating like Asian culture and he wants to be. That's that's the weird bit about this. And they go to a party at one point because it it is a high school movie, so they go to a kegger and he goes up to two Asian dudes, like, what up, my homies kind of thing. And they just look at him funny and Karate Kick him in the head, which was quite funny. So they acknowledge the fact that, it was kind of weird, but I don't know if it was a, taking a trope. It was, a, it was a, the early 2000s was Asian culture a thing that people were appropriating back then? I don't know, but yeah. So you had that storyline there, and they were all into this one character, like the Lacey Chabert character. And whenever she yep. walked in the room, you know, music would play and it would go into slow-mo and everything. And they actually took the piss out of that in the movie because someone was about to say something. It's like, no, 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 we can't say anything till she starts moving again. Yeah. So it's like everyone acknowledges that she's there in slow motion and everything. So, But they also play out because they were sneaking through the duck system and looked perving on the girls in the toilets. And they got caught because the girl had explosive diarrhea because nothing's funnier than explosive diarrhea. Yep. And they end up getting caught, so they go to detention. And just as an aside, they exact, I don't know if they rebuilt the set or if it's an existing library they went and filmed in, but they filmed in the library from The Breakfast Club. They're dressed as the characters from The Breakfast Club. And they even yep. got the principal from The Breakfast Club to come in and they recreated yeah, the scene. Yeah, do you, want, you know, do you want another detention? Yeah, do it. All right. Fine. Yeah, mess with the bull, you get the hordes. Yeah, well, he almost of- does the exact same speech, and only they they add to it, obviously, yes. with the fact that yeah, it's a comedy. But he he pretty much is the character from Breakfast Club. And they added instead of having toilet paper on his shoe, they added one of those protective things you put on the toilet seat hanging out the back of his pants, just yep. to finish the gag off. And it had the baloney on the on the piece of art in the middle too. Yeah, it was all very good. So yeah, that was essentially uh, that's a main character storyline. Oh, you got the yep. best friend, like Duck, like he's Ducky from Pretty in Pink. So you got the best friend who's deeply in love with her and keeps trying and trying, and she's I don't know, if she's not noticing him at all or just ignoring him because it's just trying too hard. But there is a couple of scenes where they they really do play on that. There's one bit where obviously Jake's tried to turn Janie into this 
prom queen. And there's one bit where she's reading a book and the title of the book is something like uh, How to Be the Unpopular Girl That Makes Friends with the Jock or something. And then they cut to the ducky character who's sitting next to her and he's got the book that's How to Impress the Girl That's Trying to Impress the Jock type thing. <laughs> And there, there is just so many bits where, like, he comes up and he's like, oh, I've made you a mixtape and there's, like, poetry day in class and he reads this kind of like in 10 Things I Had About You, but he reads this 10 Things That I Love About Janie poem mm. and it's all like, I love the way she breathes, I love the way she looks and, you know, this sort of stuff. And it very much is, yeah, it's just that Ducky character. And just like when you watch Pretty in Pink again and, and Ducky is really annoying, his character in this is really annoying as well, I think. And I, I don't know, like, because watching some of the scary movies – they're terrible. Like they're not even trying. It's just weak. But there's a bit in this where, like I said, the boys are up in the, the ducks in the, you know, the air ducks above the women's bathroom, girls bathroom. And they're watching the girls. And then there's a girl taking a ship below them and she's got explosive diarrhea and it's going on and on and on. (laughs) But at the same time, they're in English class and the teacher is talking about smutty humour, saying, oh, is that funny to you? What about Oscar Wilde? And talking about levels of humour that's highbrow at the same time as flashing back between him talking about humour and then going back to the girl with scatological diarrhoea. And it's sort of like, ah, you're actually clever or you're trying to be. Either or, but you you actually had a go. Where if you look at scary movie, there's no. It would just be someone having explosive diarrhea is funny. So this felt like there's a lot of levels where it is a lot cleverer than it should be. Yeah. Like it it works itself as just a teen movie. But the fact that it's referencing a bunch of movies that we've grown up with and love, it just makes it so much better. It's got weird little asides as well. Like there's a bit I remember watching it for the first time with you. You'd seen it before I hadn't. And just as a guy's walking down the street trying to catch after Janie and all these paper boys just drive past him going $2, almost $2. And you just thought it was funny just out of context where I know that's yep. from Better Off Dead. Exactly, from Better Off Dead. Yep. Yeah, but it's just a throw aside, bang, it's in and it's out. You know, gag, just done. Mm-hmm. And there's another one there because you had a janitor at one point in the background and he was wearing like a poncho, so you never saw yep. him. Yeah, can't see and his all, face. And I forgot who it was. But I was looking in the background when you first see him, he's sort of cleaning up in the background. I thought, is that a thing for Unbreakable? Or I know what you did last summer or something? I thought well, it was so a reference been, to that. That would have been after this. Well, that's, that I, been, I couldn't remember. Yeah. I just, I thought it was a, I could see the guy in the background. It's like, that's there for a reason. I can't remember. But then later on when you've got, the jock who's benched and he's like, I can't do it. I don't have it in me anymore. you got to go out there. And <laughs> the guy in the poncho comes up and says, you can do it. And says, Who are you? It's like, I'm the wise janitor. And he pulls off the poncho and it's Mr. T just yeah. playing Mr. T. <laughs> and he gives him an inspirational speech to go out and do it. And it's like, oh yeah, he was in this. And I don't know if that's a reference to anything or just fuck it. Let's I think get Mr. Just, T in here. Exactly. I, I think Mr. T wasn't really doing much in 2001. So I think it was just a chance to, bring back an 80s icon and cash in on that, I guess. And there's a bit when they're at the kegger, they do a a thing to Almost Famous where she's drunk and she's on the top of the on the top of the roof in front of the pool saying I'm a golden god and jumps in the water. So just again, I think it was a throwaway reference to what was popular at the time. But getting back to that scene. Yeah, that's when the guy starts doing the slow hand clap. Yes. And then Melissa Joan Hart comes out and sort of goes, no, you can't just do your slow hand clap anytime. That has to be a real moment. Yeah, you got to pick the moment. <laughs> I, I still pop for Melissa Joan Hart. Like, I'm a huge Sabrina fan. So Me when too. she comes in, I'm like, yeah, this is good. But there's no reference. It's just it. She's just there. And she just explains yeah. to him, it's like, you've got to pick your moment. It's like, when is it? You'll know. 
It's like, okay. And then he tries to do the slow clap later on and, again, misses his moment. No good. And at the end of the movie, you do have the stereotypical, someone's going at the airport, someone's gone to chase after them, they're going to do the inspirational speech to meet the girl, and the guy is about to do it. Here's the moment. This is the moment. And he goes to start the slow hand clap and the ducky character beats him to it and starts the slow hand clap beforehand. So I was like, yeah. A well-set-up gag that went over like three parts. Mm, and works well. And even that last little bit at the airport, the fact that Molly Ringwald plays the flight attendant when they're doing the big speech and, and like Chris Evans's character is like, oh, you can't go to Paris because, you know, all this sort of shit sort of thing. And then Molly Ringwald just steps up and goes, no, take it from me. You don't do this sort of thing. And it's great because, again, Molly Ringworld wasn't really doing much in the early 2000s either. So it's like this 80s icon that was in what, three, four John Hughes films coming back almost as a grown-up version of her character from those other films, mm-hmm. kind of telling it like it is and sort of saying, you know, don't fall for this shit sort of thing. Yeah, because he does his big speech to Janie and she's like, no, 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 that was from this movie. That was from this movie. Yeah. It's like if, I mean, it was still funny to watch at the time, but as you could take this movie on itself without the reference, and it would yep. work. The fact that they reference too much is sort of like, because yeah. there's one thing, I don't mind The Wedding Singer as a film, but there's two scenes in it that I hate. And that's when he goes, oh, don't wear that T-shirt. Your mods at the band and they'll split up. It's like, fuck off. It's just stupid. And Chris Farley with the stupid hair going, do you like Flock of Seagulls? It's like, yep. it's just so fucking forced it's just like no <laughs> make it an 80s film don't highlight the fact yes, yes you've got the stupid hair leave it at that or whatever but yeah yeah anyway so those are the sort of things they still work in context and it's still kind of funny but if you can take those sort of direct references out too much and it still would be a good film hmm. now let's talk about the soundtrack yes now i think you'd love this soundtrack i do I, i've still got a lot of these on my playlists on spotify so majority of the soundtrack is bands of the time, so you know, 2000s bands doing versions of 80s songs that were in a lot of these 80s movies. So one of my favourite covers, Orgy's version of Blue Monday, and you've also got Stabbing Westwood doing a cover of Bizarre Love Triangle. You've got Goldfinger doing a Scar version of 99 Red Balloons. You've got Good Charlotte, who are actually in the movie themselves, doing that whole thing because late 90s movies, there's always a current band playing in the prom. So you had Letters to Cleo in 10 Things I Had About You. You had the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones at that party in Clueless. But you have Good Charlotte actually playing the band at the prom in Not Another Teen Movie. And they actually do a version of If You Leave, the orchestral maneuvers in the dark song that comes from Pretty in Pink. You had Marilyn Manson doing a really good version of Tainted Love, which isn't really in the movie. It's only like a little bit of when the Sarah Michelle Gellar Cruel Intentions type characters walking down the hallway, they play it for about two seconds but yet when they did the video for the Marilyn Manson song they had all the characters from not another teen movie in that video clip so yeah who knows actually there's even a system of a down cover on this this that I don't remember in the movie so we've got um, Depeche Mode's Never Let Me Down Again actually performed by Smashing Pumpkins and yeah Berlin's Metro, the Metro by System of Down but Not Tonight by Depeche Mode another one by Scott Wayland from Stone Temple Pilots is it? Yeah yeah Mm -hmm. That's the one. Something I didn't realise as well, Muse do a cover of the Smith song, Please, Please, Please Let Me Get What I Want. I know. I didn't know Muse was a thing back then, but when I read that, I was like, well, okay. Like you, I didn't realise that Muse was a thing in 2001, but obviously they were. Yeah, so I actually really dig this soundtrack. I think it's awesome. And the movie's kind of fun. Now, I I rewatched it again last night for the first time in probably a couple of years. 
And I still laughed. I know most of the stuff that's coming, but I, the delivery is great. Yeah, I, I will agree. The The story is well done. The acting's good. The parodies do still hit. But as I said before, there's there's a few bits where it's like well, crawling into the ducks to perv on the girls in the locker room. Probably wouldn't see that in a modern movie now. Well, but again. Know. It's interesting because, yeah, it, it shouldn't. It's wrong. It's sort of weird because back in the day you had the Hayes Code, which was the 1930s, 40s onwards. And anything that was bad in a movie, it had to sort of be punished. So generally, a lot of people died at the end of films if they were bad, even if they were protagonists, because that was the code back then. And then the 70s sort of happened and, well, that went out the window. And a lot of shit happened. A lot of shit films that I grew up with loving. But yeah, it's a lot of like, it ruined my opinion on life, thinking, oh, it's okay to be an asshole because these movies have assholes as protagonists and that's okay. They get away with it. Like Revenge of the Nerds and things like that. Rape anybody? And even up to American Pie because I, I watched, I remember when American Pie came out and I thought it was funny because I didn't know any better. And I grew up watching things like Up the Creek and, you know, summer camp movies or Revenge of the Nerds. The Carry On movies. Well, no, that's a bit different. But, you know, just joysticks, pinball, all those, you know, all those sort of movies. And it was, mm. yeah, this is fine. This is this is what I grew up on. Recruits, Police Academy, all that sort of shit. Moving violations. It's sort of like, uh, no. And more wiser heads than me were watching this movie going, this is wrong. <laughs> They're assholes. Yeah, for sure. Like American Pie I'm talking about here where they were the heroes of the movie and, you know, they're streaming women on the internet, coercing and tricking women to have sex with them and all this sort of shit. And it's like, isn't cool at all. <laughs> it's not right. And, yeah, this movie is sort of a throwback to that and it's sort of weird that we, you know, so 20 years on. So American Pie is early 90s. This is 2000. And we're 20 years on from that now. And like you're saying, would they make that nowadays? Probably not. Hmm. That's probably a good thing. I mean, yeah, it, definitely. A porkies um, is probably yeah. the classic. So it's sort of like... It's, it, yeah, weird, twisted take. And, you know, we, I mean, you're getting things like super bad, I suppose. And that's where it's sort of like, yeah, this is your more teen movie, but there's consequences and that sort of shit. So, yeah, they've probably matured a bit since then. But th as this is a homage film, it's playing on those tropes. So I don't think it's. I don't think it's heroing those sort of actions in the same way that American Pie may have. But yeah, it probably you wouldn't get a lot of the tropes nowadays. A lot of those sort of tropes anyway. No, but then, as I said before, like, a lot of the movies that this is parodying don't hold up. Like if you try and watch 16 Candles now, that really doesn't hold up. And there's certain scenes in Breakfast Club that you look at now and you think, well, that's probably a little bit dodgy when you look at it with 2021 eyes. Which is hard. To, I mean, I, that's a hard thing because there's certain films that I've grown up watching constantly. So I've watched Breakfast Club quite a bit over the years. Yep. So it's never gone out of my zeitgeist to come back in. So, yeah, I don't notice that sort of stuff. But that's a, if it's a, something you know, like Goonies or something I haven't watched since I've seen it, you know, in the 80s, I would oh, probably for sure. have very hmm. different judging of it. Not that Goonies is this type of movie. But, yeah, it's sort of it, – it's harder – to it's harder to judge a fave if you've constantly watched it than yeah. it is yeah just mm. a classic that you haven't seen for a very long time see i used to really love this movie don't get me wrong i still like it a lot but i can see that it does have problems but it's probably been mm. five or six years for me since i watched this and it, yeah it shows it it hasn't aged well well it is 20 years old yeah it's, it's sad when you think about it that way. So it's the same as in 2001 watching Stripes, you know, something mm. like that, or the Blues Brothers. Yeah, Band. exactly. That's how old it is. You got It's hard to remember. That's how old we are. Yes. So, yes, Stripes is so another one of those. 30-year-old me probably loved this. 50-year-old me still likes it, but, yeah, I, I find some of it a bit 
bit grating. That being said, though, one of my favourite scenes in this film is probably something that I shouldn't like. And it's the bit at the end where Jake goes off to think that Janie's in the hotel room having sex with someone and he bursts into and it's actually Priscilla and Austin having sex and the, the guy with the bag's filming it. And yeah. he just turns around and he cold cocks Austin. Mm. And then Priscilla gets out of the bed and it's like, it's you know, you're not Janie sort of thing. And then he just cold cocks her as well. And then he turns around and like punches Bagman in the face. And then the bit that I really love, as he's turning to leave the room, he just turns back and just punches the bag. And as the matter, how many times I've watched this film, the bit where Chris Evans punches that bag gets me every time. It's probably one of my highlights of this whole movie. <laughs> I reckon that's probably an ad lib. It, it probably like is. Like on the day. It's yeah. like, yeah, let's do this. But yeah, it gets me every time. I love that mm. bit. And I've derailed us. Mm. I think that's it. <laughs> no, no, no. That's fine. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if I've got a favourite scene. I don't know. I did pop when it was Mr. T again. When it was like, oh, yeah, he's in this. That's fucking awesome. Mr. T's cool. Like, I don't know what he'd been doing up until I don't... 2001, whether this was the first time we'd seen him in a while. And it was like, oh, cool, Mr. T. Yeah, so that that was that was probably a, a highlight. Actually, there's, a, there's another scene where Ed Lauder, the coach, is talking to the assistant coach and he sort of talks and then he turns around and spits and then the assistant coach spits and then they both sort of spit again. <laughs> it's like, again, it's just this throwaway little scene that means nothing, but I laugh a lot at that scene as well. I don't know why. And I suppose because I'm a Breakfast Club fan, yeah. just doing the recreation of the Breakfast Club in with the with the principal, I think it's great. And I love the Chris Klein actor turning around telling him to shut up with his like stupid <laughs> mouth voice. He's got this, you know, over-exaggerated mouth when he's saying, shut up. And it's just like, yeah, that's that's a good Molly Ringwald yep. slash Chris Klein. It is, isn't it? Mashup right there. Yeah, so it's just, like I said, I don't like it when they reference a movie specifically at the end, but I love that scene in it. So, you know, don't don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just know if you like those films from that time and that genre, this is actually a yes. good spoof movie. If you like the other sort of spoofs movies, hit me up in the list and I'll send you some links. So is our P episode going to be porn parodies? <laughs> no, because okay. I haven't finished the research. I don't think you'll ever finish the research. Well, I'm trying. <laughs> but there's always more. Mm. All righty. Well, that's probably a nice place for us to wrap up this episode on another teen movie. So if you haven't watched it, if you're a fan of those 80s movies, 90s teen romance comedies, definitely give it a shot. I'm not sure if it is streaming anywhere. It's on Binge and Foxtel. See, I own the DVD, so I just dragged out the DVD when I went to watch it. Oh, well, there's it? two versions, apparently. Like, uh, yeah, there's an extra, the uh, the cinema cut versus. It's on the wiki. It opened theatrically in 2001 and was released on DVD in 2002. The unrated extended version was released in 2005 that runs 10 minutes longer than the original and adds a deleted scene, alternate and extended scenes. Hmm. So I don't know which one I've seen, but I don't remember seeing anything new in the the version I just watched. So there might be another version out there. I may have to revisit it again in another five years when it's 25 years yeah. old. It just sounds so old when you think about it that way. Like, that was the thing. Like, when I was watching it last night, when it was like, this is a 2001 movie, it's like, shit, is it that old? And then everything that there was referencing is yeah. older. Yeah, exactly. That's what it threw me. It's like, 10 Things About You is older yep. than this. Because if you ask me, I would have said, oh, mid-2000s was 10 Things I'd Hate About You. Not before this. Not a 90s film. Because there is a great homage to that in this one where he sings. Uh, 
Jenny's got a gun. Yeah, well, in in Ten Things About I Had About You, she's on the sports field and he gets the the PA system. I forget what he sings, but it's like he sings a song. But because she's Janie, he sings a, a song with her name in it. And it's Janie's got a gun. So everyone else is like, Janie's got a gun. Everyone run. And she ends up getting tackled by the police. Yep. It's funny. But yes, not funny nowadays. Uh, no, no, not funny. Definitely. But no, um. Ten Things I Had About You is actually a really good movie. I don't know. I, I think the fact that Heath Ledger is just an awesome actor, and even though he's in this crazy teen movie, he really does it well. Yeah, it's got. I mean, he's he's good, and so is Joseph Gordon. Exactly, it's, it's really good actors. That's the thing about these films, you know. And that's like she's all that looking at. We got to check it out. Looking at the cast, that's good. Freddie so Prince maybe, Jr. Yes, might be a bit of a teaser with mm. that. Well, yeah, and Paul Walker. Yeah, see, I, I know mm. Paul Walker from nothing other than the Fast and the Furious movies. So. Not Fool's Gold with Jessica Alba. No, Ashley Scott. No, no, nothing. Hmm. Anyway, no, that's fair. Totally fair. Yes. Well, that's probably a nice place for us to wrap it up tonight. Excellent. All right. Well, that was fun trip down memory lane. It was. Who knows what we got in store for? Yeah. And as I said, we've wanted to talk about this on the podcast for a long time, so it's probably good that we did. Yes. Got it out of our system. Yes. It's done now. All righty. Well, if you have any feedback for us, you can find us on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. We are the MA Podcast on Twitter, and we are the MA Podcast.podbean.com on our website. So until next time, when we come back with the letter O, thank you very much, Mitch. Hooray. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.
the things we've tossed around a lot since. Tossed. <laughs> Speaking of spoof movies. <laughs>